And this is the Reclaiming the Garden podcast. Uh, today we're going to be sort of discussing a book that I read from one of my courses and that I kind of ask Anna to read as well, uh, Take This Bread by Sarah Miles. Uh, and through that, we're also going to talk about like how we sort of what we're learning about sustaining ourselves in our uh, sort of prospective professions that we're going into. Uh, but before that, we have a really big, amazing, exciting announcement. <laughs> So, uh, we have been selected to be on the live podcast stage at QCF. Um, and for those of you that um, maybe have just started listening to the podcast, April and I met at uh, the Q Christian Fellowship Conference virtually in 2021. Um, that was where we ended up kind of talking about exvangelical stuff and deconstruction stuff. And from there, she mm -hmm. was like, want to start a podcast? And I was like, yeah, sure. And it's like a full circle moment because now we are yeah. performing at the first live conference in two years, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Since like, I think the last one would have been 2020. Yeah, so like three years. Yeah, but... My God, oh my God, I still can't quite believe it to be honest. I know, and I'm like, could you imagine telling ourselves from like two years ago? I can't believe I almost didn't buy a ticket to that 2021 conference. Like, <laughs> oh, I bought mine like maybe like the week before or two weeks before on a whim. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, it's 65 bucks. Like, if I don't like it, then I don't like it. And it ended up being life changing yeah. for a variety of reasons. <laughs> I know. It's just like, wow. Um, so. Just so y'all know, if it's not within your means to like go uh, to DC in person, they also have virtual tickets and that virtual ticket will allow you to see the live stream of us as well. So if you're right. thinking about maybe like you want to go see stuff that you can't go, you can come virtually. Or if you want to just like straight up buy a, a ticket to DC for next month, you can also just register to go. It's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> yeah and one thing we also want to say as well if going to conference in any capacity isn't right um, there are scholarships in, yes there are scholarships and um if you're like just going for us wink wink uh we <laughs> will post our um live recording of the episode as soon as we are able to mm -hmm. um our hope is to maybe do that in february so the month after but mm -hmm. uh yeah we def we don't want to leave anyone out leave anyone hanging um there are also some other amazing i just wanted to give a shout out to the other people who are performing yes. on the podcast stage and you so. can see more info i'm gonna link the uh, qcf conference podcasters page in the show notes so yes so we have queer relation q and tips with jamie leach uh horror nerds at church with pace warfield and reverend emily ewing um and then teolo Oh, I am not going to pronounce this correctly. but Well, there's the English version, I guess, after. So you can maybe say yeah. that. So it's Teologia Sin Vergüenza, um, Healing Spiritual Violence in Latin America and its Diaspora with Alba Onofrio and Nadia Ariano Tapia. And then Life on Side B with Grant Hartley and Elizabeth Delgado Black. So these are amazing These are amazing podcasts. Um, please give them a listen as well. We're honored to be able to share the podcast stage with them. Um and yeah, I'm still kind of in shock from the whole thing, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, I just can't believe it. Like, we're gonna, like, have, like, a sound check and probably have, like, fans. We're gonna finally have mics. This is the first episode where we're gonna have mics. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so silly. Like, that's, like, we, we have mics. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's um, so funny because because of the posts that I've been making on my personal Facebook about us performing in DC, um, a bunch of my choir members have started listening to the podcast as well. They're like, oh, fun. oh some of my classmates have started listening because I told them about it last week and they were like, oh, my God, you're so good at speaking. What the heck? And I'm like, I 
I have a lot of notes in front of me when I'm like doing research episodes, I swear. <laughs> I know. They're, they're like, oh, that's so, like, I think someone brought it up in the changing room and there was like 30 of us packed into mm-hmm. one tiny room. It was like, oh, Anna, like, I love listening to your podcast. And everyone was like, wait, you have a podcast? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we, to, if anyone is from Angel City Corral listening to this right now, hi, thank you for being here. Um, and I can't wait to sing with y'all again in February. <laughs> Mm-hmm. oh yeah and that must have that concert must have been super fun yeah, yeah. i will definitely talk about it as we get to high of the week because yeah. boy oh boy was it a fun yeah anyways <laughs> um yes now let's get into um well i guess the first thing we kind of usually say is like what were we taught in evangelicalism about this and so the our sort of topic being like sustaining ourselves in the work that we do we already have an episode about spiritual practices uh, called, I think it's called uh, Nourishing Ourselves in a World on Fire, because that was like when the Ukraine war started and like the a lot of stuff was happening that, at yeah, that time. And also I'll mention we have, have done a couple of episodes talking about spiritual practices with um, Angel and Nicole Morris. Right. And I know that we talked about um, different how media can inspire our faith journeys as well through our musical episode, as well as our episode with Artie Peters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've definitely talked about this subject a lot but again Mm -hmm. we're doing it in the frame of reference of take this bread which is gonna be exciting yeah yeah and also sort of adding on this dimension of like in the work we do you know and of course the work let's talk about how the work we do or plan to do is very different than what our past evangelical selves imagined it would be you know um I know for me I thought I was gonna be like a missionary kind of like an urban missionary I guess kind of serving in city context and I don't know spreading the gospel of Jesus or whatever which I mean part of me is like I'm kind of still doing that but like not in like a colonializing way (laughs) you know I think there's a fine line between living a Christ-like existence and then like preaching like I think there's like like I think that a person can act in a way that is Christ-like and that is Mm -hmm. how you show like the love of God to other people rather Mm -hmm. than just telling verses to them and mm-hmm. saying like you should yeah come and you can you can be like people. you can be I guess like a sort of mission driven person in the sense that you have you feel like you have this calling on your heart from God to help the world but like and not and still like not do that in a, like a colonial way you know like I obviously in the work that I do I want to be working with marginalized people not like for them or on behalf of them you know yeah so. exactly and again, like, and I think um, the one of the things that comes to mind when I think of that is a couple years ago when Sean Foyt was doing his narcissist narcissism mm-hmm. self-flagellating tour mm-hmm. where he was playing music everywhere and he came to Skid Row in downtown LA mm-hmm. and all of the um, activists that work on Skid Row regularly mm-hmm. um, were like, please don't come. Like, please, please don't come please don't give out food. Like we are here all the time. Do not be here. And meanwhile, Mm -hmm. this like white guy of very average talent and a, but also a massive following was like, "Eh, Mm -hmm. screw that. And did that anyways. Mm -hmm. During a pandemic, we should add that like, that was, was, yes, if I recall correctly, this was like December, 2020. Like this was when like hospital beds were completely Mm -hmm. full and they were like turning people away. And it's like, but sure. Like, Go to a group that is already very marginalized and very stigmatized Mm -hmm. and potentially get them very, very sick, Mm -hmm. as well as the people that help them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, not cool. Um, so about what about you, Anna? What's sort of the very the huge difference between what your evangelical self thought you wanted to do, what the work that you wanted to do, and now? <laughs> so interesting, because I feel like I already knew that, like, especially because I wanted to act, I wanted to sing, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, like, there was always pressure, like, do these things for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and always when I thought of that, the first thing that came to mind were those, like, cheesy movies on, like, TBN or, <laughs> like, Kirk Cameron films. And it was that thing of, like, I felt guilty because I was like, oh, those movies are so cheesy. Oh, but wait, they're Christian movies. Like, I should want mm-hmm. to be doing those and be, like, an example in my faith. But mm-hmm. also, like, I, it was, like, a lot of – there's a lot of guilt behind that because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times you tell someone who's evangelical, like, I want to work in entertainment it's seen as like, oh, this is a medium in which you can spread the gospel. And mm-hmm. like, I, didn't, I never necess- I didn't necessarily want to do that per se. Like I wanted it to kind of be based on my actions. And if it was ever asked, then I could talk about it. But I didn't want to be like exclusively pigeonholed into Christian media. And the irony now is I'm pursuing social work for like faith faith-based purposes in the sense of like wanting to help people overcome mm-hmm. um religious trauma and process their spiritual abuse and that whole sort of thing so I guess in a way um I am doing a sort of faith-based career but not in the way that anyone yes. including myself was expecting <laughs> yeah no same it's like I yeah getting this degree in like theology and culture community development um it's like I describe it to people as like faith-based social justice and I always bring up and like LGBTQ inclusion in the church is my passion and I want to make sure that like youth like I was don't have to go through the shit that I did and so yeah that's like what I'm sort of devoting my life to um, and obviously in the sort of work that we both kind of want to do with like helping LGBTQ youth particularly through like these different avenues mm-hmm. um, the burnout is a real possibility you know and so I'm oh glad gosh, that yeah. like one of the the first theology class that I take in my program um, is called Service and Sustainability. Um, I think it used to also be called like Care for the Soul, the Call to Sacred Activism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so we basically have like been reading a bunch of memoirs, seeing how um, other people sort of have um, sustained themselves in their work. And one of them is um, Sarah Miles' memoir, Take This Bread. Uh, and I'm just going to read the back because I suck at summarizing things. So... <laughs> Uh, the back of the book. Early one morning, for no earthly reason, Sarah Miles, raised an atheist, wandered into a church, received communion, and found herself transformed, embracing a faith she'd once scorned. A lesbian left-wing journalist who'd covered revolutions around the world, Miles didn't discover a religion that was about angels or good behavior or piety. Her faith centered on real hunger, real food, and real bodies. Before long, she turned the bread she ate at communion into tons of groceries piled on the church's altar to be given away. Within a few years, she and the people that she served had started nearly a dozen food pantries in the poorest parts of their city. Take This Bread is rich with real-life Dickensian characters, church ladies, millionaires, schizophrenics, bishops, and thieves, all blown into Miles' life by the relentless force of her newfound calling. Here in this achingly beautiful, passionate book is the living communion of Christ. And I just, yeah, as I was reading this, I was just like always so amazed. I mean, and I, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I'm just only read halfway through it, but I also have some knowledge of like, sort of the things that happened in the rest of it because I had to skim through it from the paper I wrote but (laughs) um and like 
you know, I mean, I particularly was like so amazed at just some of the early parts of her life and where she was covering these revolutions. Um, yeah, and, like in Nicaragua. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, she like, like talked with um, um, this, um, I guess, Jesuit priest, uh, Martin Barreau, who like was one of the people who was assassinated, one of the priests who yeah. was assassinated. And I just was like, wow, like one of the fathers of liberation theology, she just like sat in his office and interviewed him <laughs> before she even had her sort of conversion to Christianity. Um, so that was just really cool to like see and to see how that sort of that part of her life influenced the work that she did and her sort of connection to spirituality in this very like visceral bodily way. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of to speak on that sort of like the self-care thing, like in my practice-based classes, mm-hmm. it always starts off with, like, I feel like every class ends with or begins with mm-hmm. in like our modules about self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, almost every class that I've taken that is practice-based has been about, they've had at least like one section of having healthy self-care habits or present mm-hmm. to the class, like what is something you do for self-care? Um which I think is so, so important in the service-based, in service-based industries, because mm-hmm. um, one example that I have used with a couple of my clients and one that I, because I heard it before, is it's like being on an airplane and then if the oxygen masks come down, it's advised that you put your mask on mm-hmm. before you put on the mask of someone else. Yeah. And if you are someone who's an Enneagram too, you might be like, <laughs> wait, no, I need to help the person next to me first. Um but the thing is, it's like you're more effective if you can take care of yourself because then you can take care of more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I always try to keep in my mind, especially if it's I feel like I'm getting burnt out. But it's like, oh, but wait, like I have to do this and I have to do this. It's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself first because then you'll be a lot more of an effective helper. Mm-hmm. What I mean, I guess I'm curious. Yeah. What sort of things in your classes have been like the sort of tips they gave related to like self-care and such? Um, certain things are, there are certain things like mindfulness and meditation, which I am way too fidgety to actually do. Um, we need meditation for neurodiverse people, damn it. Oh my gosh, I was watching with um, my girlfriend, we were watching a John Mulaney bit where he talks about like, he's like, my therapist says I should do meditation for anxiety, which involves sitting up straight, which I hate more than ISIS, and just letting my mind go blank, which I can't do. And I'm like, <laughs> I have never related so hard because every single thing it's always like mindfulness and letting like you see a thought bubble and you let it float away and it's like I can't do that no 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 I I dwell on the intrusive thoughts thank you very much um so one thing that I try and do especially like if I'm feeling really anxious is like one thing that my therapist kind of helped me with when she realized the mindfulness and meditation thing was not helpful was like counting things or like taking like trivia quizzes so like I found websites where I could, it's like list every country and it just kind of keeps my mm. brain mm-hmm. active in a way and it kind of distracts me but I'm, I'm still like actively doing stuff mm-hmm. or like counting the number of like pictures on the wall or counting mm-hmm. the number of like ceiling tiles or whatever like it's just a way to continually mm-hmm. stay present and then I've made sure to try and limit um because full because I guess for people that don't know, um, everything I do is online. My classes are online. All of our mm-hmm. async works online. Um, trying to limit my entertainment to things, or trying not to have all of my entertainment outlets be 
from a screen because mm-hmm. I'm always staring at a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been trying to read a lot more lately and do more mm-hmm. journaling and that whole sort of thing. Nice. One quote that I actually really like um, <laughs> is where she says, um, charity had always slightly creeped me out. Mm-hmm. There's nothing quite as condescending as the phrase helping the less fortunate rolling off the tongue of a white professional as if poverty were a matter of luck instead of the result of a political system, which like, mm-hmm. dang. Um, yeah. Because, and I think, like, I mean, I think this food pantry that she starts um, is a really good example of like how to not do it in that way you know like something that i when i when i skim through the sort of rest of the book basically that what we kind of read up to was like when she's just starting the whole food kitchen or food pantry thing but um she ends up like these volunteers who come in to get food also end up just wanting to like volunteer there and you know she's like she doesn't have any sort of boundaries to that she's just like cool help out here's what you can do um and so she sort of just empowers the people who are there to just yeah be able to like help others as they had been helped um, yeah so exactly like and empowering. I think one thing one thing she even says is like and I probably gonna get the quote wrong but it's like like Jesus said to feed the bo- feed the poor not feed the poor but check ID first mm-hmm. like it it's there is no there's no limit to the people that can be helped there's no and like again but also recognizing that um a lot of quote-unquote misfortune comes from these oppressive systems that Mm-hmm. our country and our world has been built on and that being able to help also has to include taking these systems down or radically mm-hmm. um just overhauling them yeah no yeah definitely um definitely a lot of quotes that i liked were sort of related to like talking about her sense of spirituality as being connected in the body mm-hmm. um there was the immediacy of communion at St. Gregory's, unmediated by altar rails, the raw physicality of that mystical meal. There was an invitation to jump in rather than official entrance requirements. There was the suggestion that God could be located in experience, sensed through bodies, tasted in food, that my body was connected literally and mysteriously to other bodies and loved without reason. Mm, yes, absolutely. And it becomes, I think, harder to oppress people or to see people as less than when you realize that we are all sort of connected in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my, um, in my paper, I sort of talked about the sort of like, I don't know, I guess level playing field that communion creates that we all like receive this grace there. And let me actually just pull it up. Uh, um, yeah. So obviously like um, Sarah Miles, she had, some sense of like sort of hesitation or reservation when she first was becoming a part of this church community because like she sort of didn't have the same background that a lot of the churchgoers had she didn't have like a formal education she sort of had this weird experimental college quote-unquote college experience um you know so there was some barriers there but she sort of started to realize that there was something more to being in church than that um my here's a quote my own snobbery couldn't protect me from being drawn more deeply into the place I had to admit that these people with all their specific flaws intact had opened the door to grace, not because they had good taste, nor, not because they were rich, not because they were exceptionally intelligent or even always likable. The people of St. Grace had let God in because they believed in the absolute religious value of welcoming people who didn't belong. And now here's my own word. She allowed the power of this grace to inform her actions going forward and realized that the grace she was receiving was what everyone else in that church received in the bread and cup too. This grace and hunger for wholeness did not distinguish her from her fellow church growers, but united her with them. 
um, as Parker Palmer writes, because in my paper, I also had had to sort of put her in conversation with this guy, Parker Palmer, our successes and our glories are not the stuff of community, but our sins and our failures are. In those difficult areas of our lives, we confront the human condition and we begin to learn compassion for all beings who share the limits of life itself. And I think that is like also a sort of care for the soul thing, just kind of like being able to let yourself be comfortable with being human, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I can't even also imagine just her coming into um, the church later in life too, especially Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's so interesting to me when people, I mean, like, when people, quote unquote, convert later in life, especially mm-hmm. living in the United States where Christians in power or the loudest. Oh, she talks world, about that. Too. She... Like, it's just, <laughs> and like, I get it. Like, I understand, like, I completely understand that, especially like, and again, this isn't the case with everyone, but it just like, like, when I first was like reading the summary of the book, I was like, because I went into this blind I didn't know what it was about or anything like that but it was just like huh okay interesting but then it's also like we wouldn't be reviewing a book that wasn't good so (laughs) like of course I really ended up enjoying it but it's just interesting that someone who had no real religious background was able to find God in such a way and not going either completely like born again evangelical or like I don't I don't know it's just it's just interesting to me I guess mm-hmm. yeah I mean it was just really interesting to read like the sort of like when she took communion Jesus happened and she like kept she like cried at every single communion service and then would just like leave quickly afterwards um and it was just yeah, interesting yeah. to see. And now, like, she, I actually listened to, like, she, even though she's not actually the executive director of the food pantry ministry anymore, she gave a sermon, like, in, I think, early November. Um, so, yeah, she's also a really good preacher, honestly, too. Um, let's see. So, I guess thinking about what I sort of have learned this semester um about this sort of topic and general things um i'm gonna pull up um yeah in my in my service and sustainability class we've sort of talked about through these um through these memoirs the themes of like let me bring up the um the ideas of like moving from the familiar uh to the unknown entering into the wounds of the world um thinking about like where we came from and how that can like sort of like what's the sort of gift and sense of sustaining that you can get from remembering where you came from. Um, And then of course this week, we're going to be talking about like, what does the sort of Jesus's call to lose our lives, like, and die to ourselves. How can we do that? Like without self deprecation or codependency. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, I guess like, as we can see someone like really giving their life to Jesus's call to feed my sheep, you know, we can see that that can be done in a way that actually gives someone more life. Um, yeah. Yeah. Instead Abs- of like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. It's so silly. Cause then it's like, you start thinking about all of like the cliche, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like mm-hmm. that whole, 
all that stupid stuff. Which, by the way, the phrase pull, you, pull yourself up by your bootstraps was initially a sarcastic phrase that was used by people, and now people use it, like, hmm. sincerely. Um, it's like, no, it was, supposed, it was actually, like, a really, like, that was, like, something you'd say sarcastically to a person. Like, eh, I don't know, why don't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Ah, that's dumb. But now people use it as, like, actual policy, which is terrifying. Um, but again, like, there's no harm in being able to help others without having something in return, without that being a contribution to, like, economy or to the country or to productivity. It's like, mm-hmm. people need food, people need shelter, people mm-hmm. need clothing. Like, I, I don't understand what is so the hard fact to that, like, there's literally, like, there's literally technically, like, so many fucking houses in the United States and the fact that there are people on the streets, it's just, like, Why? You know, I know. Like... It's stupid that we live in one of the richest countries, if not the richest country in the world, and we have people who are homeless. Like, mm-hmm. or we have people who are starving, and also churches And specifically, be even, like, <laughs> starving, even though they're eating, like, they're getting by on food that is, like, you know, with lots of grease, fast food, or, like, snacks mm-hmm. that they can buy at the little corner stores. I mean, that's something that, like, Sarah Miles was noticing in her neighborhood in San Francisco that, like, they could get all of this junk food easily available, but not, like, fresh produce and fresh, like, yeah. fruit. And that leads to other, prob- like, other systemic problems as mm-hmm. well. Like, people who have different um, identities and intersecting identities are much more likely to have things like heart disease and hypertension mm-hmm. and di- diabetes. And it's, like, because people don't have access to healthy food or the choices to like or Mm -hmm. having that choice it causes other problems like either like causes medical problems it which is why food banks seem to be like yeah food banks seem to be clearly better than like meal ministries even though i think that's like it's it's with good intention i guess but like then it's just like you don't have you don't have agency if you're just going to a place to constantly get a meal already made for you you know every every day every week whatever so yeah it's like teach like again like being able to instill these sorts of healthier habits is a great idea but we need to be able to provide people with that sort of access Mm -hmm. yes um so I guess I'm curious about like what I don't know what other sort of things that you learned this semester because I figured that this well, you know, part of the episode is that it's sort of a jumping off point for us to get to talk about, like, our studies, because that's cool. Yeah. We haven't done it before, so. My gosh. So the two classes I'm taking right now are totally kicking my ass. Um, by the time this episode <laughs> goes up, I will have finished my classes, Woo! and then I have a two-week break. Um, tactically three, because I'm taking off the first week of the semester to go QCF. Doesn't matter. But <laughs> um, right now, the two classes I'm taking are um, advanced clinical diagnosis, so, like, learning about different um, mental health disorders, mood disorders, um, that whole sort of thing. And then the different signs and symptoms and like what medications would be prescribed. And so it's like fascinating stuff. It's just a lot. And the other is a like research based class. And so that one just, I'm not having fun in that class. I love being able to take the practice based classes, like practicing with different individuals and practicing with chill like I think I'm doing like practicing with like youth and families like trauma informed practice like I'm mm-hmm. taking that next semester as well as like school um social work so it's like that's the sort of classes that make they makes me excited like other <laughs> things like they're required like I get why I need to mm-hmm. take them but it's like I really 
I have no, no interest in like the research side of things or like the, mm. you or having, to stuff. Run, or having to run like a social work agency. Like I have no, like I'll, I'll hire people who are good with money and can do that sort of thing. Like uh. it will not be me. <laughs> um, but yeah. And again, the irony is that almost every single class has, has talked about doing self-care and talking about self-care practices, which has been kind of cool. But the but classes I, also kick your ass. <laughs> classes are also kicking my ass. Um, yeah, yeah, several several of my classes, like, well, one of them, which is called, um, <laughs> I have to actually fucking look up what this class is called. It's near the end, the end of term. Um, Intersections, Interdisciplinary Inquiry and Psychological Frameworks, um, because I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, um, at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, the common curriculum includes, like, you know, I have to actually, like, well, that not like do counseling, but I mean, like sort of engage in the work of psychology in certain ways. Um, so um, yeah, that class, like it has, um, it has started off sometimes with some elements of grounding, but it has also been kicking my ass with a lot of reading, yeah, a lot of well. like these discussion boards that I engage in that just don't feel like really authentic because we're like required to write a certain amount of words and that kind of thing. But um, I guess, honestly, one of my, <laughs> Yeah, one of my ways of sustaining myself, a sort of self-care thing I do, I play with Legos. Um, I think I realized I realized it's kind of like it's definitely, I think, like an autistic thing because like it's sort of like stimming with the, you know, playing and touching the Legos. And then also it's kind of like a sort of visual stimulation as well. Um, I <laughs> I don't really know how to describe what I do with the Legos. I create these like tower things. And then I just like, I take them apart and then I do different color combinations and yeah, I don't know. I guess I like listen to music or watch something while I'm doing it. And it just like, it just makes me feel calm, I guess. So, That's so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was I talking about before that? Wait. Uh, oh yeah. Because yeah, that class was like kicking my ass. And some, sometimes when I'm feeling like very overwhelmed, yeah, go and play with my Legos. Um mm -hmm. Another thing I also did, even though I really loved my uh, God gender sexuality course, by taking it, I was going up to like above full time credits. So then wow, I what? and I like thought I thought I could fucking do it because I was like, oh, I was the valedictorian at my university, I can handle this, you know. But then of course I had never been in school with a part time job before, so I realized it was like, oh, I do not have as much time as I had in undergrad. Shit. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I ended up deciding to audit the class, um, which has been a good thing because I can still, I can still go to the class to hear the lecture mm -hmm. and yeah. like still do the reading. I just don't have to worry about the big research assignment, which is good because next week I have a literature review and an annotated bibliography due. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, part of it will be fun, I think, because I think for the literature review, I'm going to do the topic I've chosen is like neurodiversity in the church. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like trying to see sort of what there is in the databases about that. And then for the annotated bibliography, um, part of the theme is like that we're sort of working towards this um, in the spring term, we're going to do a theological anthropology paper answering the question, what is the human being fully alive? Uh, which does sort of involve the questions of like around like self-care and sustaining oneself and that kind of thing and yeah um so our annotated bibliography is basically like working towards that like what sources do you think you might use to answer this question of like theological anthropology um and sarah miles take this bread is going to be one of the texts i use because i think she like she is the human being fully alive you know she shows an example of what it's like to live 
like such a vibrant life despite like lots of challenges and you know the com- the complicatedness of living in a church community you know but yeah 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 i guess do you have to do like any sort of capstone work or i don't know oh. um and because my program is accelerated, I'm going to be done at the end of August, mm. which is also why every it's just everything happens all at once. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I've just lately I've been so exhausted, like I just don't have mm-hmm. the spoons to, you know, do things that I would want to do or haven't had time to do certain things. Like For me, I think some of my seasonal depression has been kicking in these past few weeks and I'm like, God damn it, why couldn't you have kicked in like after the semester ended? But <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God, I hate when that happens. Like, it hasn't kicked in for me quite yet. I am happy that it is a lot cooler outside. That's been really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's been things like, man, I was supposed to make a doctor's appointment like two months ago, but I just <laughs> don't want to be on the phone. Like it's stuff mm. like that where it's mm-hmm, like I mm-hmm. like it's like in theory that would be really easy to do I mean it's not it really isn't especially like mm-hmm. making doctor appointments sucks but it's you know like it's a thing that you have to do as an adult but I just don't have the spoons to do that lately mm-hmm. or to like be on the phone and like or to like make appointments or to oh god I've gone through the person being on the phone is just like the fucking worst I definitely yeah and the and you know, being like more of an adult than I have been in moving and living on my basically on my own, uh, yeah, it's just been a whole thing of like calling people. Ugh. <sighs> yeah, and I think a lot of it too is like I won't talk about it on the podcast, but my, I'm my internship is over next week, and I'm gonna be very glad when it is. Because um, oh. a lot of it too, like a lot of it has been like. I'll have therapy clients that just don't show up mm-hmm. and we're working with a population where there isn't a lot of high retention. So like, I get that, but it's like putting a lot of work into prepping, putting a lot of work into commuting, putting a lot, just putting a lot of work in and setting aside time mm-hmm. to do that, which means I don't have time to do other things. And then just kind of like going to the office and not having anything to do. Mm-hmm. Like last week I went, like last Wednesday, I went to the office. None of the fellow, none of my fellow interns were there. None of my supervisors mm-hmm. were there. But I was there because I was like, I have two, like therapy sessions I need to lead, and both of them, like no call, mm-hmm. no showed. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I basically spent like six hours at our office just doing homework and then doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just been really. It's interesting because it's like I'm not do even really doing anything, but it's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're if you're okay with it, I'm fine with this episode being shorter just because of course we both have like finals and shit to work on. Same, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's go into our high of the week. Yes. You can go first because you definitely have one. <laughs> oh yeah. So I think I, I'd mentioned it at the start of the episode. My high of the week is um our holiday my holiday choir concert was this past weekend. Uh, first weekend of December. Um, and it was super fun. Um, I feel like this season I have not been as present just being so busy and everything, but it was nice to have that, that culmination of the concert. And like my partner went one night, my parents went the other night. So it's cool to have people (laughs) there both nights because that hasn't happened in a very long time. Um, but yeah, I really, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun and a bunch of people found out that I have a podcast. So Mm -hmm. Uh, that's 
that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, same with the vibe of like some people found out I had podcasts. And also, I mean, I would say the high for me is when like Q Christian Fellowship posted and I mean, have that's our a logo. Pretty big high. Like, <laughs> I know, yeah, like when I just, yeah, seeing that like our podcast logo in a QCF post and uh, like, yeah. that we were tagged and then we just got to like, I, I was just so excited posting about it on all the social media accounts. Like, I don't care how shameless a plug it is. I'm how many people get to see that their podcast is going on the road and speaking yeah. at a national conference mm-hmm. like yeah that's the, like the biggest awesome. gathering of lgbtq christians in the world like Jeez, that is nuts <laughs> and also like for people for um everyone listening we had found out that we were going like a couple of weeks ago but we couldn't say anything until mm-hmm. it was official so we were sitting on this very exciting piece of information we're like we can't share it until like qcf has shared it like that'll be like we can't say anything we can't say anything and so when we saw that they had tagged us in an instagram post it was like hallelujah let's make the post i know like only a couple people knew like i think yeah i I told a few friends yeah because i was excited yeah (laughs) and i told a few friends i told my partner i told my parents um But yeah, it was nice to be able to finally make that big announcement. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just nice to be able to celebrate, like, just like all the, like, you know, social media can be a trash fire sometimes. But Oh, yeah, we also got to celebrate with our Spotify wrapped results, which were fun, too. Awesome. And that was like the day before we made the announcement, Uh too. So it was a really good week. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was just nice seeing, like, everyone, like, all of our friends um comments like on the posts and stuff and it's like some friends we're going to be meeting for the first time in person i know Shout i'm like to... i'm going to be so like overwhelmed in the best way that like you know but, brianna yeah. michelle mayer Artie peters um i i know that um our friend amy isn't coming in person might be attending virtually so gotcha and she has a really yeah. long she would have a really yeah. long way to go uh nathan cromwell is going to be there oh really i didn't yeah, know he, he messaged me uh last week Cool. Yeah. Um, So it's going to be cool because we're going to be meeting a lot of our guests that we've had and a lot of our listeners for the first time in person. So if you know us, you're our friend. Let's hang out. Um, If you haven't met us previously but have found the podcast, hello. Please come find us at conference. Yes. Be your friends. Um, (laughs) On on Friday, specifically the day that uh, the Friday of the conference will be our recording. And we will be, if you want to find us, we'll be wearing Bible Dyke Energy t-shirts and rainbow bandanas. So (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, I guess we can go on to the plug. Yes. Uh, Oh, and (laughs) wait, right. Um, I guess our next episode um, and... Uh, you can cut this out, but I'm going to probably message uh, the Reclaiming the Couch chat today about that. But um, our next episode is going to be collaboration, our an- now annual collaboration with yes. the uh, Couch Communion podcast. Um, on our on our feed will be a year in review, and then on their feed will be some Bible Jeopardy. So, Oh my god, yeah. remember Bible Jeopardy last year? <laughs> Hopefully they'll find a better one that doesn't have stupid puns as answers. My that god. Was, that was so frustrating. <laughs> But it was very fun. So we're excited to be able to collaborate with Sarah and Jordan again. Um, and yeah. Now on to the plug. <laughs> 
thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Reclaiming the Garden. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Reclaiming the Garden or on Twitter at RT Garden Podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, and you can always check out our merch store to get t-shirts, mugs, and other fun merchandise. If you are able to, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm, but we are grateful that you are here and listening, so if that's all you can do, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.